0: Hello, this is Frank. And this is Bobby. And you're listening to the audio portion of our TV program, An Overcoming Life. This is a program of anointed teaching and overcoming testimonies.
1: If you want to be blessed, then keep listening to this program once a week. Please let us know if you were inspired by the program. Our address is P.O. Box 53, Tallahassee 32302. And our email is intercedingprayer at yahoo.com. Welcome, friends, to An Overcoming Life. This is Bobby. And Frank. And we have a special guest with us today, Larry Miller. Larry is a very special person to me and Frank. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's the one that married us about. Mm. G- the pushing to push.
0: Do I still get blamed for that <laughs> no. at times? No. No, we got to we it's been off the hook. It's been a happy marriage. Oh
1: yeah, but, uh, He's a special dear friend of ours and a very anointed man of God. And the Lord laid on his heart to do something that I was surprised. He's a wonderful preacher, and I know the book's going to be good. But I never thought of him as an author, not Larry. You know, he's Larry's just cornbread and beans and Jesus. You know, <laughs> I never thought of him being an author. But the Lord wanted him to write a book, so he's going to share with us about it and tell you how you can get it. Larry, thank you for being here and sharing. Tell us how you. Uh, came about
0: right in this book. Okay. It may take a little while for me to go through this a little bit, so as long as we've got time. Um, I've been preaching for 43 years. I started preaching from the back of a flatbed truck at the parking lot of the IGA supermarket in Caribbean, Florida in 1978 with a singing group, a quartet that we had at the Assembly of God Church. So that was the beginning. So about a year ago, I have traveling preaching since I retired from pastoring. I pastored one church here in Tallahassee for 31 years. But I've been traveling preaching, doing evangelistic work as I did in my early days of ministry. And I was teaching a series that I had titled Practical Life Lessons. And I had taught on it in several churches. And one morning as I was getting ready to leave to go to Mayo, Florida to Lighthouse Christian Center... The Lord spoke to me in my spirit. I just heard the Holy Spirit say, this needs to be in a book. So I thought, oh, Lord, <laughs> I'm not one of those that can sit and just do things for hours and hours on time. I don't even study to preach that way. I'll study for a couple hours and I may go fishing, come back and finish a sermon, uh, finish preparation for a sermon. But I said, OK, Lord. So I was teaching these lessons on practical things things that we learn in life every day. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to put this in a book and call it Lessons Learned on Route 66. That was last October, middle of October. Well, I was turning 66 in January on the 1st of January of my birthday. He said, teach people what you've learned over 66 years of living and 31 years of pastoring and 43 years of ministry. So I told some people I was going to write a book and they laughed and said, You're, You've never written a book. I've written poems and stuff like that, but never a book. And didn't have a clue what I was doing, but shared it with some people and they said, they said These lessons are great because I'd have people comment when I would teach them. So, this is really good. This is practical. So, when I started writing, taking those sermon notes to put it in a book, God kept adding things to it. Holy Spirit just kind of bringing to remembrance things that we learned. And I had thoughts about something that Brother Hagin, we called him Dad Hagin when I was right. in the Rhema Bible Training Center, yeah. Rama Bible College now. He said something when we was at Rama, and he said it repeatedly over the two years that we were there. And he said, students, while you're here at Rama." going to school. If you don't learn what to do, at least learn what not to to do. do. Uh And he said, sometimes if you know what you shouldn't do, it's more beneficial than knowing what to do. (laughs) So there are some practical lessons that I've picked up in my life and ministry that I begin to share with people, Bobby.
1: I know it. I can't wait to get my hands on the book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I started writing and my wife said, those are good. Those are really good things. And I had pastor tell me, those are good things. So I said, Lord, how do you want me to do this? And he said, I want you to call it Lessons Learned on Route 66. In 2006, my wife's mother, Miss Bonnie Carroll, if you all remember her, a woman of God, she was celebrating her 70th birthday in October of that year. She wanted to us to meet her kids and grandkids as many as could to meet in las vegas she liked play slot machines i always i preached her funeral said her her best friends were one-armed people they were slot machines and uh, when we were out there she wanted to have dinner in the stratosphere she wanted to go to the hoover dam and the grand canyon and the rainforest cafe and uh several things she wanted to do so we did that her bucket list huh yeah it was her bucket list <laughs> she ended up dying at seven uh, at 71 and a half years old so wow so uh she, she had it. cancer when we went out there she, she had bone cancer so we went down to the grand canyon we got on the old route 66 highway if you remember back in the 60s yeah. when they had the corvette traveling you remember yeah it was a TV series too yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh we visited, went to see the Roadkill Cafe, notorious Roadkill God. Cafe. We didn't eat there; it wasn't open. But we got to see it, Thank got you. pictures of it. So the Lord told me, said, use that analogy of traveling on Route 66 Highway, and the highway of your life over 66 years of living, mm-hmm. in these years of ministry, and teach some people some practical things. So the lessons that I presented in my book, am emperors in my book, are practical. They're spiritual and they're humorous. I've got some stories. Uh, people told me, said if you oh, tell man. those stories from church days, don't mention names, you know, <laughs> or change the names to protect people. So I didn't mention oh, names man. about yes. those. Uh, the few people that I mentioned in the book gave me permission to to mention their names. So I sat down again to write and I pulling from the sermon notes that I had, Bobby, over the years. And as a preacher, you got thousands and thousands <laughs> of sermons over 43 years. So um, as I began to to compile my thoughts as a compilation of various life lessons. I thought I need to start somewhere, so I'm going to start on my early years. I'm going to start as a child. I had my first encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ when I was nine years old at a kid's camp. Mm-hmm. I was saved, received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and called to preach at nine years old. <laughs> wow. And uh, had a godly mom. My mom was a godly woman. My dad was alcoholic. Most all of my life, my dad was alcoholic. So I want to tell those early years about the Melender Family experience. Of those years, and especially by being raised by a godly mother, mm. and as I went into some detail of that, it, it brought back some old memories mm. from my childhood and teenage years. Uh, when I was in the end of my ninth grade year, my mom died of a stroke. Mm. My brother was in Vietnam. My brother Cliff, he was twenty. He was injured by a landmine explosion. We got news of the from the army that he was injured. Didn't know of any other. Uh, Info on him Other than he had been sent to the hospital in Japan A few weeks After we got that notice My mom died of a stroke Mm. My brother was sent back to Walter Reed Hospital He died from his injuries Mm. That following summer My dad died of a heart attack So I lost my mom, my brother, and my dad From the age of 14 to 16 my brother Gary and I literally went to hell We got into all kind of mischief And a lot of bad things And and a lot of people wrote us off. So that was the foundation for my book was those early years. Then the next part of the book was the God factor. When I came to Christ at 19 years old, newly married with a baby on the way, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it was a turning point in my life. And people said, did you ever backslide? I said, why would I backslide? when I knew what was behind me and saw where I was going, I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. So there's a part of the book about the God factor where God saved me as a kid, brought me back to him as a teenager, as a young, young married man. And then the call to preach in those years of, of, of ministry in my early days of ministry. Then I introduced the life lessons in the book. And, um, There's about there was about 50 of them and the book got a little expensive. So I cut it down to about thirty four, thirty five. I'm going to do another book and I'm going to title it a little bit different and use some of those other lessons. But in in the first lesson that I wanted to teach people, uh, I need to start somewhere and I want to start where people live in their, their everyday life. And the the first lesson was life ain't easy even on a good day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, life Amen. life is not easy, and I use that grammar. I told my professional book. Uh, reader and editor. I said, don't change my language. Mm-hmm. I'm just a redneck Southern boy. So this is the way I talk. I said, you correct the grammar and the punctuation but lead my words along. And, and they did. So life ain't easy on a good day. I mean, all of us have issues in life we deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And none of us are immune to problems. I used to yeah. say in preaching that if I could come up with an immunity to problems and hardship in life, I'd be a wealthy yeah. man. Yeah. You know, if we could just give people an inoculation uh, shot to be yeah, immune yeah, yeah. it'd be great, but they're they're is no immunization against life problems. It comes to all of us. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation. (laughs) He said, but be of good cheer. So we have a choice to make. The second lesson, I won't go through all of them, just a little a few of them. The second lesson was life ain't easy. Hmm. You know, I have people that tell me, I ask them what they want to do in life and they say, well I wasn't handed life on a silver platter. None of us were. There's nobody that had it any rougher than my twin brother Gary and I had it after we lost our parents. I went to work at the prison in 2015, Franklin Correctional, as a senior chaplain. Had a great prison program out there. And uh, I was there about two years, and the Lord told me my time was up. But we got a new uh, warden at the prison, and uh, a good man, Scott Payne, man of God, praying mm, man, prayed with him out there. Good, good. And he had gone to lunch one day, one the little restaurant, Caramel. he came back and he ran into me in the hallway and he said, chap, I, I talked to your uncle today. I only got one surviving uncle. My daddy's uh, next year youngest brother, my uncle Cecil. He said, I run into your uncle at the restaurant today and I asked him about you. I said, and what did he say? He said, He said that you and your brother were outlaws. (laughs) I said, outlaws? I said, we're not outlaws. He said, no, in your younger days, y'all were outlaws. You were outcasts. I said, yeah, but that was the old man. The Bible says if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. So um, we had a rough road to hoe as teenagers. We got into a lot. People wrote us off. A lot of people said that we would end up in prison or somebody would shoot us. Well, I ended up in prison as the chaplain, so, so I did end up in prison. And the day I got there, I told him, "I said, well, people said fifty years ago I was going to get here, and I'm here as the chaplain." But life ain't easy, and you can, life is what you make it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were saying if life throws you a lemon, make lemonade. Right. So True. life ain't easy. It's not fair. One of the other lessons in that book, I. I taught this, and this is very important, a lot of people don't understand this one, is life is more productive without certain people in it. (laughs) You know, there are people who will drag you down. Hmm. Uh, God told Abraham, On the spiritual side of it, God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, now you leave your country, your kindred and your father's house to go to a place that I will show you. That's right. And he told him, he said, you're not going to be able to take anybody with you. Well, we know when we were studying the Bible, he ended up taking a lot. And what did that give him? A lot of trouble. A lot. He, he took somebody with him. God told him not to take. Well, we can't rescue everybody. We can't drag people along because some people that try to attach to our lives, they don't want what we want. They don't see what we see. Right. They don't desire what we desire. They don't believe like we believe. And I've preached a sermon for years that when it comes to certain people in our life, we need to choose who we lose because everybody can't go with us. We can't drag them along. Now, if you have a question or two, you can ask it and I'll, I'll hush. Okay, you just go ahead. So I'll just you, keep on going. Another lesson was we have to learn to live victoriously. Mm-hmm. A lot of people live in constant defeat. Mm. I'm a victorious person. I don't like to lose. I've never liked to lose. I played sports in high school, played football, basketball, baseball, ran track, But especially football, it's my favorite sport. I hated to lose. You know, we didn't practice through the week and in the summer drills, what we call two-a-days in the heat of August, Mm. to lose. We practiced hard to win. I've heard people make the statement, say, well, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. That's hogwash. (laughs) It's important (laughs) of whether you win or lose, not just how you play the game. You You don't play just to come out with no result, you play to play win, to win. Yeah. and the bible says that we're more than conquerors oh, bobby yeah. I was yeah, there's the spiritual didn't say you're game, just a game player said yeah. you're more than conquerors Conqueror. we're overcomers in christ right. paul said it this way he said thanks be unto god who always gives oh. us to victory he didn't say sometimes he said always yeah. i mean we, we even find in the epistle said greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world we are winners in christ that's right. I had to determine early on in my relationship with Jesus Christ that I was a winner and not a loser. Well, I believe God wants us to overcome. He does. That's His desire. And if and you're going to be an overcomer, it means you got to overcome. I'm something, yeah. And there's man. something you to so have to overcome. So there's going to be a resistance. You know, prize or a fighters problem? don't get in the boxing ring just to box, they get in to win. They want that championship belt. Yeah. And we have to learn to live victorious. Mm-hmm. And another lesson that, I, that I've learned in my life especially as a pa- as a pastor of a church that people are fickle and undependable. <laughs> I remember one time in our early days of our church. Bobby, we were over there on Capitol Circle Northeast yeah. right. and I was preaching a sermon, I don't even remember what I was preaching. The church had a, we had about 75 or 80 people. I was preaching my heart out. As you know, I like to yeah. sweat when I preach and <laughs> get into it. I <laughs> preached that morning. I don't even know what I was, I was preaching. about commitment or something, walking with God, being committed to your call. And when I finished my sermon that day, I didn't even give an altar call. But as I wrapped my sermon up with a, with a prayer, people started getting up out of their seat and they started coming up to where I was standing at the little pulpit. And they said, Pastor, I want you to know I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm standing with you. We were launching a church. I mean, it was our new church. And everybody came one by one. They'd shake my hand. They'd reach out and touch my arm. I'm with you, Pastor. You can count on me. And the last one, he was related to my wife somehow. He was attending our church, and he came up. The last one, he waited to be the last one. He walked up slowly to that pulpit where I was standing. He reached out and shook my hand. He said, Pastor, I want you to know something today. I am with you. Just don't count on me. (laughs) And I was shocked. I thought, how can you be with me if I can't count on you? So I learned a life lesson, and it's all the way through our life. All of us face it. There are people who come into our life that are very fickle. They are changed like the wind. I mean, you know there's a wind that we call a variable wind. Mm -hmm. You have the wind out of the north, south, east, west, but there's a variable wind that switches around. People are that way sometimes. They're very variable and fickle. And when those type of people, you can't count on those people. And we'll have them come in and out of our life at various times in our life. Another lesson that I learned is that life is more productive without certain people in it. You know, I've had people come into my life that... They just bleed us down. They'll suck the life out of mm-hmm. you. And then there are people who come into your life that they enhance your life. They add to your life. They yeah. build you up instead yeah. of tear you down. And somebody listening and watching this program today, you'll have somebody in your life that's constantly tearing you down. Well, friends don't tear friends down. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need friends that build us up and help us to be everything that God's called us to be. Another lesson that I learned, and I got this one from the book of Ecclesiastes and the writer of Ecclesiastes, he said, beware of the little foxes that spoil your vine. Mm -hmm. So I, I do a lesson in the book that I that I simply am saying, don't let the little foxes steal your grapes. And this was really brought home to me just a few weeks ago after I'd already submitted the book for publication. I'd gotten up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom at my house. Y'all you know where I live. I live outside of Sopchoppy, the metroplex of Sopchoppy in the woods. And I'd gotten up. We have all kind of animals in the yard at night. And that morning, about four o'clock morning, I got up and got a drink of water. And I just happened to go look out my front window. And as I looked out the window, I saw a fox come around the corner of my house out of my neighbor's yard. He meandered around my yard, back into her yard, went around her pump house, came back around my pump house. And by our pump houses, she has a grape arbor and uh, muscadine grapes. Mm-hmm. And I watched that fox. I'd never seen it before and never understood that scripture before till after I wrote it all in the book. That fox, I saw him go around the grape arbor. In a few minutes, he kind of disappeared. The next time I saw him, he was climbing the grape arbor and was at the top of the grape arbor really? eating grapes. Wow! And I thought, there is my life lesson huh. given to me in a visual image. Wow. And I told the neighbor next morning, 82-year-old woman, I said, Miss Joyce, I watched the fox stealing your grapes early this morning. <laughs> so I shared this lesson and don't let the foxes spoil your vine. And what I mean by that is the little things in life sometimes that drag us down. Mm-hmm. Somebody will let their whole day be ruined because they got up to go to work and the battery is dead in the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or somebody looked at them the wrong way. Or you're in traffic and somebody flipped you off. Mm-hmm. I mean, any, any little thing. We major on the minors instead of majoring on the majors. And <laughs> so often it's the little foxes that steal our joy. Yeah. They, they pull the life out of us, Frank. Yeah. Uh, another one was this one. <laughs> if I stay in the race, I can get to the end. <laughs> A lot of sense. people start something but never finish. Never finish. And it is, your finish is always going to be predicated on your start, hmm. how you start. You watch people in track. And I tell this story. I've told it many times over 40 years of preaching. When I was in high school, our, our football coach, Tex Young, in order to play football, you had to run track. He required it. I hated track. I hate it today. He said, if you're going to play football for me, you've got to run track. Well, I told him, I said, what's the shortest race you got? <laughs> I'll run the short one. So I ran the 100-yard dash, the 110 yards in the sprint medley relay. Well, we were headed to a track meet one day. This had to be 1968 or 9, somewhere back there. And uh, headed to Bristol, Florida on the school bus. Mm-hmm. And the boy in our high school that ran the hundred, that ran the mile, was sick or something. He didn't show up that day, uh-huh. so we're on we're on the way to, to Bristol for the track meet, and Coach calls me up to the front. He's driving the bus. He said, "Larry, today I'm going to put you in the mile." Wow! I thought, "Oh my goodness, man! I didn't even want to run the hundred yard dash; must less a mile." So I, I thought, "Coach, I can't run a mile. You've got to be conditioned to run a mile." He said, "No, you, we need a runner. You, you, you're going to be in the mile today. Mile, the mile run." So when we got there. It came time for that race. The long-legged runners were up there. You know, I'm a little short. Short people got no body. Uh, I have no legs. My little short legs. I got in that He's mile. The of the family. You, you got in that mile run. <laughs> It's four times around a 440 yard track. Yeah. It's not 100 yards. No. Nope. It's a long run. So you got to slow it down and pace yourself. Pace yourself. Different. Well, I, I got about halfway around that first tra- <laughs> uh, run on that track, the first lap. And I thought, there ain't no so way I can do this. Heavy
1: heaving going I can, on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was wanting to throw up and couldn't breathe. Good. So as I got around behind, on the backside of the track, the pole vault pit was back there where people pole vault and high jump. I thought, that's where I'm going. I, as the runners rounded the bend, <laughs> I slid in behind the pole vault pit, lay there on my back with my hands behind my head, and I watched them finish that race. Well, everybody was looking for Larry. I was hid behind the pole vault pit. Oh, no. I didn't finish. And after the track meet, the coach said, we know where you went. You, you were back there. You didn't finish. Well, I couldn't. I was not in condition yeah. to finish a race like that. Well, you can't finish something if you don't stay in it. Mm-hmm. And I, that lesson there is very uh, pivotal in our lives a lot of times because we will start something and quit it. But things get a little bit hard. Things get a little difficult. Somebody says something negative and we quit. So if you don't stay in the race, you won't finish. Another practical lesson was was this. It's okay to start over again. Hmm. A lot of people think they fail once. That's the end of it. Hmm. But we can always start over. You know, the the... Psalmist of Proverbs 1 says, though a righteous man fall seven times, he shall get back up. I mean, there's a lot of room for failure right there. Seven times. (laughs) times, He said, though you fail, you get back up. And the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press uh, forward to what is ahead. He said, I'm going forward. So we may fail, but we get back up and we start over again. Right. another lesson was this and this one's been very influential in my life my scars are evidence that I attempted something mm. you know everybody that's ever accomplished yeah. anything has scars yeah. Evander Holyfield has a scar today on his ear that he got in the ring with Mike Tyson mm. you remember that when Mike Tyson bit yeah. part of his ear off Ouch. it was yeah. world renowned Yeah, sure he's got a scar there but he did get in the ring with Iron Man Mike yeah. And he ended up beating him. Hmm. So we, we all have scars. We have scars in our life from the things that we've done. We've got hurt. People have been hurt. But the scars that we have are evidence that we attempted something. And one of the final lessons that I learned, I don't have time to go through all of them today, is that my circumstances are subject to change. Amen. <laughs> Wherever you are today in your life, your situation and circumstances are subject to change i heard somebody used a little uh cliche one time says some days we're the bug and some days we're the windshield well either one of those is a disaster and you know about this time of the year when the lug bugs start and you got them all over oh, the front yeah. of your car and your windshield oh, bro. says some days you're the bug some days you're the windshield here a few weeks ago i don't know what kind of bug it was it, uh, A big butterfly or something hit my truck windshield as I was going down the road, and it splattered. I mean, there was a spot that looked like the size of a saucer where that thing hit my windshield just... Well, it didn't turn out very well. Some days we feel like we're the bug. Some days we feel like we're the windshield. Because... Life is difficult, but our circumstances are subject to change. I've seen things change in a moment, in an Mm -hmm. instant, suddenly. The Bible's full of accounts that talk about instantly and suddenly. So it's a good book. I don't have one with me today. My books are actually coming to my house today, and I couldn't get them before I came. But uh, we have this on camera. This is an image of the book, and I think, Frank, you can get on the Internet and show this a little later. It can be ordered on Amazon. In a week or two, three weeks, I'll have it where you can order it on the book website. And the book website is simply Lessons Learned on Route 66, the number 66.com. And I'm doing some hosting some book release events in churches and some bookstores uh, between Tampa and Jacksonville, Tallahassee, Panama City. Wow. And the book is selling right now. There's a lot of people found interest in this book. It's practical, it's yeah. spiritual, and it's humorous. And uh, there, There's an account here about my first airplane trip. Uh-huh. First airplane ride that I ever had was in a little puddle jumper plane with a friend of mine. And that story alone is worth buying the book because it it's, <laughs> okay. will make you laugh till you wet your pants. <laughs> How much is the book, lad? The book is $21.95 on Amazon, plus shipping and handling. Okay. If they order it from me, once I get the the website fully running with a PayPal account, or if I'm in a church setting, the book will be $20. If I have to ship it, there'll be shipping and handling. But if you buy it at a book event, it'll be $20. But on Amazon, it's $21.95 plus shipping and handling. Okay.
1: Well, yes. Thanks, Larry. Yeah. Oh, we can't to wait to get it up, our book. Yeah, we That you to can't get... wait to get yours.
0: And we'll uh, have that information posted on the screen so you can see it there too right. Right. about that website. Don't miss this, folks.
1: It. Don't miss your blessing. Get the book get it as soon as possible. Time is up. We got to run. This is Bobby and
0: Frank, and this is Larry. Saying,
1: <laughs> God loves you, my friend, yes. and so do we. God bless.
0: This program was produced by The Overcomer's Ministry, a nonprofit corporation.
1: We have a team of loving, caring prayer warriors that will intercede over your request, pray, and email you back.
0: Contact us at intercedingprayer at yahoo.com. This is Frank. And this
1: is Bobby. Thank
0: Thank you for for listening. listening.